All right, church family, let's um, kind of continue our conversation and dig into the Word as we continue to learn more about this Holy Spirit, right? I want to tell a story to start us off. I have a twin girls named Allie and Christy. You guys have heard me talk about them a lot. They're seven-year-olds, second graders, and um, the first day of school for Allie wasn't good this year. The first day was a half day. It was a Friday, and it was at a new school, and I called my wife, and I said, hey, Jen, how was school today for the kiddos? Because I, dro- I dropped them off. She had picked them up. And uh, she said it wasn't good. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, you know, all great things, right? It's like it wasn't good. And I'm like, oh, man, what happened? She said, well, Christy went to the wrong place for checkup, or for checkout, for car pickup. And so Allie thought we had lost Christy forever. So she's crying. And then on top of that, Allie says, she's really sad because she says everybody already has friends here. And when she said that, I'm like, oh, man. And so, you know, um, I have a goal to be a really, really good dad. Like, I want to be a good dad. And for men in the room, like, you can have great intentions, but you got to put in the work, right? Like, I want to be a good dad. And so on the way home, I put on my super dad shirt, right? And I'm ready. I'm ready to have a conversation with my little girl and encourage her and love her. So I walk in, I drop my backpack, and I go, Allie Joe. And she goes, what? And I go, come here, baby, I want to talk to you. So she comes downstairs, and Jen's there with me, and I got her on my lap, and I say, how was school today? Uh, I'm like, what happened? She said, man, everybody already has friends there. I want to go back to my old school. And I go, well, and I was ready for this, right? Like, I live for these kind of things, right? And I said, well, here's the deal. When mommy and daddy first moved to Kansas City, we only knew like four people. And we didn't even know them that well. And I said, we had, and everybody that we met already had friends. And so we, you know, just had to, and I couldn't even get the sentence out. And she goes, oh my gosh, are you done? This is so boring. <laughs> And I'm like, you little punk. And I ran up to my room and slammed the door and said, fine. I didn't do that. But I did say to her, I hope you never have friends. I did say that. <laughs> but she is just enough like me, right, that she, she just knows. And like, that's going to be my plot in life. Jen's dying laughing. is because I have all of these great words of wisdom that I'm just going to, oh, I can't wait. to. And they're going to roll their eyes and say, oh, my gosh, dad, right? And so here is, now, why do I tell that story? How does that look like maybe in our spiritual walk our spiritual journey with the Holy Spirit. Because when Allie says it now as a, seven, a second grader being seven, it's kind of cute. But if every time Daddy, the one that God has given her to be her counselor, her guidance, her word of encouragement, the one who's going to give her gifts, right? If every time I go to bless her with the things that I know that she doesn't yet, if every time I get eye roll and, oh my gosh, this is so boring, at what point do I go, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what I know. Right? I mean, isn't that right? Like if, if, if every time I sense something going on in a friend's life and I go to offer them a word of encouragement and I get the eye roll, like, oh, leave me alone, I don't care. At some point, don't you be a little slower with your willingness to offer a word of encouragement? So right now at seven, it's cute. At 16, oh my gosh. Woo, right? So how does that parallel with your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? When he comes in into your life, when he sees you've had a bad day, and he's trying to guide you, counsel you, encourage you, and he's doing his best, right, through people that he's placed around you by the word that, that, that God has given us, his truth, do you find yourself going, oh my gosh, this is so boring. Let me go uh, uh, not think about it by watching an iPad or watching uh, uh, that Good Luck Charlie, whatever that stupid show is, right? Like whatever it is that you just kind of brain dead yourself on so that you don't have to think about the pain of the day. Man, let's begin to continue to grow in our acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. One of the things we said last week was that um, the Holy Spirit um, is a gift giver. 
right? He functions in gifts. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures before we do this morning. I want to uh, just introduce you to two, two new friends of mine. Uh, to kind of take a commercial break real fast. Uh, Richard and Tom, would you guys stand up? Richard and Tom are pastors and elders at, of Kingdom Living Church. Uh, they're a messianic uh, congregation that uses our uh, facility on Saturday morning for their uh, church services. Would you guys welcome them to New City Church? If you're, uh, thank you guys. If you're, I'm going to have them back at another time uh, and let them kind of share some specific uh, words of encouragement with you. But they, uh, Messianic Congregation, is they, they use it here on Sundays, and their, their heart is to be evangelistic towards our Jewish friends and neighbors who don't yet know Jesus. And so uh, you're welcome to have service. It starts at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. You're welcome to come and participate in worship with them. But uh, they're good friends, and I've really enjoyed. The, the Holy Spirit has connected us, right? And that's a fun story to share um, sometime down the, down the near future. The major function of the Holy Spirit is to be a gift giver. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here last week or if you ignored me last week, go back and listen to that. Because I talked to you about um, the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit giving the gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 that Paul lists out. And we not only talked about them, we kind of identified them. And I asked you to personally take an inventory and see which gifts you think the Holy Spirit has given you. And we did that in three ways. I said, which ones do you naturally connect with? Not or what are you interested in or, or all of that stuff. But what, what do you connect with? And then what are those closest to you who are spiritually minded? What would they agree upon? And then has God affirmed those things, right? And so in the bulletin or in the, the video earlier, this is the form. If you know, and if you don't know, don't put something down, all right? Because we're going we're gonna to actually add this to your uh, contact information in our database. But if you kind of know the gifts that the Spirit has given you, please write that down. And we're going to turn that in at the time of giving. Now, Let's jump into 1 Corinthians 12, because I don't have a ton of time, but I'm going to use every bit of it as, as, as well as I can, okay? So here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. This is what Paul reminds us, and we read this last week, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective today. Paul writes this. Now, there are different gifts. The words that are bold and italicized, that's my doing, not the Scriptures. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them and every one. Okay, that's our foundation scripture for today. And here's what I want you to see. First of all, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. Think of the Holy Spirit. Think of a flow chart. You got Holy Spirit up here and underneath the Holy Spirit, you got all of these gifts. And I've listed them there on your insert, right? Holy Spirit produces, gives all of these gifts. They fall under him. The word gifts there, I said this last week, but it's important to know, is the word where we get our word charisma. The Spirit gives different charismas. This gift that you have been given by the Holy Spirit is something that you can only invest you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you're good at on your own. Why would the Spirit give you something that you don't need, right? So the Spirit decides who gets what gift, and it is something given to you that allows you to do a specific work for the church. You can read at your own leisure the, the, chapter, the scripture I put right above that, 1 Peter chapter 4. You have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit, something that you didn't have before that allows you to do something that you can't do outside of God's power. So you're like, well, I love working with tools, so I guess I have the gift of being a tool man. No, that's not on the list, right? I, now use your gift for the church, but that's not a spiritual gift. I have an ear for music. That's not, no, 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 no. I like music too. I like music before I knew Jesus, right? I would, yeah, so you with me? And there's the different gifts. Let's move on to the next part. We talked about that last week. Now here's the fun one. Paul then says, and there are different ministries, but the same Lord. 
There's different ministries, but the same boss. And this is how New City Church understands uh, this portion of Scripture and how we flesh it out in our own ministry workings. That word there, there are different ministries. Think of the word high-level offices. That's what the word literally kind of means, offices. Sometimes it might be easier uh, to think of like vocations. Think of like pillars that keep a structure standing firm. There are different Heavy leadership, overseeing functions, but it's Jesus as the boss of every one of those. We identify these offices out of Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4. Read this scripture with me. It was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why does he do that? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There are certain ministries, there are certain offices, vocations in which the Holy Spirit works through in all of these gifts. I want to give you a quick explanation of each of these. It's kind of fun to kind of think through what do these words mean. Because we don't use the word apostolic or apostle very much, right? And prophets are weirdos, right? Evangelists, they scream and pound their foot and fist and travel to church to church. Well, What do they actually mean in the context of what we're doing? Here's what I'd like to give you, just some quick, quick observations. The apostolic, right? And this is also referred to quickly as the apest. A-P-E-S-T, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd, teacher. The apostolic, if you, are, if you are wired apostolically, you love to start new churches. In context of Scripture, you love to start new churches. The prophetic, this is you. You love keeping God and God's truth central within the church. This is why apostolic and prophetic is right next to each other. Because it's really easy for some of us, guys like me, to go up and go and start new things. It's great to have a prophet beside you making sure that it's what God says, it's not what I want to do. Does that make sense? Some of you are great self-starters, and you can put a spiritual spin on everything. And you need somebody beside you that says, now why are you wanting to do this? Were you to slow down and answer the question to make sure that it's actually something God asked you to do, not just something that you feel like you need to do because you're bored. Right? Prophetic. Evangelist. The expansion of the church, but how? By proclamation of the gospel and bringing new believers into the church. You are one who, you kind of have one foot in the world, one foot in your church. And you love meeting new people and introducing them to Jesus through the proclamation of the gospel. Real quick, evangelism always requires words. You ever heard that, uh, that, uh, what's that, that, that quote? At all times, share your faith. If necessary, use words. That actually was never said. Right? And it's very, very bad, bad theology. There is always a proclamation of the gospel, right? Sign language is still a proclamation, I can't do it, of the gospel. That's my attempt at sign language, right? I might have just proposed to somebody. I have no idea what I just did. <laughs> right? Um, it's a proclamation. It's words coming out of your mouth about what Jesus has done, his life, his death, his resurrection, his coming again. The shepherd, right? If you're a shepherd, you love to care for those within the church, both spiritually and physically. You're a shepherd. It's it, it like you you got to care for your flock, and you take offense when you feel like they've been mistreated or somebody's going at them. Like you 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 got the rod and the staff. They protect me. You're that kind of shepherd. The next one, the teacher, teaching the teaching the church towards spiritual maturity in all areas of life. Teaching the church in all areas of spiritual maturity in all areas of life. So imagine if you are, so on your little cutout here, on your, on your handout, I said, I best, whatever you put in on APES, I best apostle, I best prophet, like what do you naturally connect with there by using which gifts? And I want you to think of it like a worker man. That's what my son Luke wants to be when he grows up as a worker man. 
Imagine that every day I put on the hat of the apostolic because I love to start new churches. We're working on one right now. Just start a conversation about our third location, all right? And as an apostolic guy who loves to start new churches, I have a tool belt. And in my tool belt, I use, have been given specific spirit-given gifts. You with me? And so as an apostolic-minded guy, I use the tool of uh, faith, right? I use the tool of exhortation. I use the tool of generosity, right? I use, and so maybe as a prophet, you're going to step into keeping God's truth central and what tools might be in your tool belt that best, uh, that the spirit best uses you to accomplish his gift. And here's the thing. I want you to be thinking about this. Why in the world would God give you a gift? Why would the Holy Spirit give you a gift that you have no intention in using? That's a really important question. If you're a lazy believer with someone with sissy faith, and you're, you're no more interested in reading God's Word, you're no more interested in, uh, in, in, in pursuing the things of Jesus, you just want to go to church and say, wow, I went to church today, I'm now I'm okay for another seven days. Why in the world would the Holy Spirit trust you with such a precious, powerful, Spirit-given gift to accomplish His work if you're just going to put it in your backseat pocket and never do anything with it? My argument would be, He probably won't. However, for those of us who are choosing to step into our gifting and identify our gifting, man, what you might find in your life is that your spirit-given gift becomes more powerful. And the more you know how to use it, the more effective that tool is. Remember your first set of tools you ever bought? If you're like me, you probably bought the cheap set, the cheapest one you can afford. I need a set of screwdrivers, and I need some ratchet stuff. I don't even know what the words are. And okay, there's all these at Home Depot and Lowe's. And okay, wow, these are 60 bucks, and this is 20 I'll go with the $20 ones. And then like, you can bend the metal with your hand, right? Like, you know, right? Well, after a while, after you use it, you're like, man, I, this is not going to do it for me. What do you do? You go back and you get the next size up, the little bit better quality. Holy Spirit may be the same way, right? Let's just use our, our thinking here. God's going to give you something to see if, he can be, if you can be trusted with it, if you will actually use it. Why in the world would he give you a screwdriver if you're never going to use the screwdriver? Why would he give you the gift of healing if you're never going to pray over somebody's life that's really struggling? Why would he give you the gift of exhortation if you're just too busy to meet with people? But if you can be trusted, I believe the Holy Spirit more than anything wants to fill your tool belt with spirit-given tools so that as you go about your life, you can be the most effective in uh, encouraging and building up God's church. Does that make sense to you? All right, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, right? Let's look at this next scripture. And there are different results but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. So as whatever your apest vocation might be, whatever tools you use within that vocation to best accomplish what God's called you to do, get this, overarching, it's the same God. It's the same God, as the scriptures say, there are different results that might happen, but it's the same God who produces all of them. That word produces, this is fun. This is where we get our word energy. Meaning, you have to really process this spirit-given gift. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You can't do your so-called spirit-given gift on your own. And as you think about your spirit-given gift, let's say you just wrote things down. Oh, yeah, I see this in my life, and I see this in my life. Now, when you ask the next deep question, how faithful are you in your abiding with the Lord? How faithful are you of staying energized to our source of God, not your self-will or your self-power or the next John Maxwell book you're reading? But how are you doing attached to the vine that produces fruit that remains? So you're like, well, I'm not very good in it. Then rethink your spirit-given gifts. Because the scriptures say that it is different results with the same God who energizes, who produces 
all of them and everyone. And just how my powerful might you be if you took the time to sit with the Lord on a consistent basis, to hear from Him through His Word, through people that He's placed in your life, and then to actually do what He says. That series devoted that we've got coming up is going to be so important because we're not devoted. We live dry erase lives. We do all of our life in dry erase markers. And if it gets too hard, we wipe it away and we start a new one. Oh, you don't like something I say here? Fine, you just go to the church down the street. No, let's do a Sharpie life. Where we're going to say, hey, no, I'm going to do, this is who I am. I'm going to step into it. And if you're going to rub it away, and if you've had kids, you know this to be true. You can get Sharpies off the wall, but it's going to take some work. You may have to paint a whole wall. You're going to have to invest some money into Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, right? And I'm sure there's some other organic solution out there that you can find, right? Is this Sharpie gluten-free? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. But how do we step into knowing what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and then allowing God to give us the energy to accomplish it? I want you to notice this here. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, continuing on. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm making a leap, but I'm going to connect the dots real quick. After, after Paul writes about this that God produces, he goes into this whole talk about the body has many parts. Where some people are the ear of the body, some people are the foot, some people are this. And if, we, if we're all an ear then who's going to see, right? We hear really well, but we don't know where we're going. Or if everybody wants to be a foot in the body, well, who's going to be the hand that touches, right? And he says it's the same thing spiritually. Notice this scripture. Let's go back to 12.12 here. For just as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body through many, though many, are one body, so too is Christ. Now you are Christ's body, and each of you is a member of it. What is he getting to? If everybody in the room says, oh, I want to have the gift of giving, I want to have the gift of, uh, of the, who's going to be the mercy one? And it's being comfortable in your own gifting and understanding your own gifting and not a jockeying to get a gift that you don't have because somehow you think that makes you more popular or more famous within the church. Like some of you have to fight the temptation to be right up here under the spotlight. And for you, like that's the finish line. Like if you just could get right here, then somehow you have made it in Christian Christianity. Right? I, I would disagree. Because here's what I would tell you. I believe God today uses the words that come out of my mouth and the, the scriptures that are used to, uh, to hit your heart, to draw people to truth. And if other people of the body don't use their gift of healing, which I'm not talking about a broken arm, I'm talking about emotional, spiritual healing. If you go, oh, I can't use that gift until I'm in the spotlight. Well, then guess what? People leave here hurting today because you're not willing to pray for them. Well, I have the gift of mercy and I just need to console the inflicted, but I don't want to do it until I get up here in the spotlight and I get to let everybody, no, no, no. Then you know what? People leave today still discouraged and hurting. But if you would be comfortable, if you would learn to be comfortable in however the Spirit has gifted you and say, you know what? I'm going to use that today right here in whatever way that I can, Right? How are you going to express that gift? The gifting, if you notice in Scripture, is always about the, the, the building up or the encouraging of the church body. And so you must use your gift, based on the scriptural uh, directive, to encourage the body. So notice what Paul says next here concerning these different gifts. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helps, gifts of leaderships, different kinds of tongues. Not all are apostles, are they? Like some of you have no desire to start anything. And that's great. If we all did, nothing would ever get accomplished. All right? He says, not all are prophets. Prophets, are they? No. If everybody was prophets, we'd never get nothing done. We'd always be curious, is a God in this? Is God in this? Sometimes a prophet needs to arm around them saying, trust it. 
Let's go. Let's go. And, you know, prophets and uh, evangelists can drive each other, I mean, uh, prophets and apostles can drive each other crazy. You know, I heard somebody say one time that when you put an apostolic person with a prophet, they're dangerous like a gun, right? But if they're always fighting, they're losers. <laughs> that's, my, that's my one attempt at humor today. Anyway, so... Okay, here we go. He goes on. Not all are teachers, are they? Not all perform miracles, do they? Not all have gifts of healing, do they? Not all speak in tongues, do they? Not all interpret, do they? Notice the last part. But you should be eager for the greater gifts. We're gonna, I'm going to end on this. What is Paul saying? Be eager for the greater gifts. If you're wired like me, when you read that, what you might read is this. I have to get those greater gifts. Paul wants me to be eager for those greater gifts. i got to go after those greater gifts. So God, I don't have that, and so how do I get it? And we pray, and we serve, and we do things. We try to maybe move the chessboard around spiritually so that we can obtain these greater gifts that we don't have. But here's the problem with that thinking. If I'm going after something that I don't yet have, if not careful, and extremely careful, I can begin to become envious of what you have that I don't. And envy leads to coveting. And all of a sudden, I want what Brandon and Sarah have because I don't have it. Now, I may be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure one of the big ten is, Thou shalt not covet. Good, you know that one. And so I'm confident that Paul is not asking us to break a commandment that he would have extremely known very, very well. So if it's not for me to be eager in coveting these other things, then what must it be? Think of it like this. My wife, Jen, has greater gifts that I don't have. She has gifts that I don't have. And if I made it my mission to mimic her in such a way and learn her gifting so that I could then do what she does, here's what would happen. I no longer need her. Why would I need her if I can now do what she's been doing for our family? But she brings something specific to our family that I don't bring. So anybody here in the room that's couples, we understand that our spouse has uh, greater gifts than us that allows us to function as a healthy, healthy family. But if you take their gifts and now you have it and you've learned that as well, guess what? You don't need them anymore and you're fine on your own. So let's look at what this word eager might mean. When you look at that word, here's the best definition that I can come up with. Being eager in this context means to honor and love so much that it might never be torn away that it might never be torn away. Let me go back to my marriage. I need to honor and love my wife so much for the gifts that she brings to my family. I need to be so eager for her gifting that I do everything in my power to love and honor and care for her so that she would never leave me alone. Uh, she would never be torn away from me, that she's always a part of my family. In the church context, when you identify people in the church that seems to have maybe these greater gifts that Paul mentions in, in, second, I mean in Corinthians chapter 12, what do we as a church body do to be eager for those folks so that they don't be, that they're not torn from this body? Now, here's what I mean. We are a Southern Baptist church. Some of you don't know that. You're not aware of it. Some of you don't care. Some of you, it really bothers you that I just said that. It is what it is, right? And Southern Baptists struggle with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I had a guy come in here. He's a buddy of mine. He says, you ain't Baptist. And I go, sure we are. And he goes, no, you're not. He goes, Baptists will never say what you just said about the Holy Spirit. And I said, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. But we're Baptists, right? <laughs> here's the thing. If you're here and you have the more prophetic side of the gifts, the more charismatic gifts, it is important for us in the room who don't have those to be eager for you. 
that you have a place of worship and a place to be fulfilled, and a place for you to pull out that gift and use that gift in a specific way for the building up the church, and that you don't feel like you have to leave here and go somewhere else where you're more accepted. It's, oh, I guess I'll go to an Assemblies of God church, or I'll go to a Pentecostal church, or I'll find a non-denominational church that's very charismatic so that I can be me. No, listen, church body, we don't have to understand it, but we can be eager for it because, listen, we're better together. For those, and, and just you could take that same conversation and impart any type of the gifting that you have. Oh, we don't need administration. That's a horrible attitude to have. We don't need more uh, church plants. No, that's a horrible attitude to have. We should be eager. When you look at the other gifts that you don't have, we should be eager. You should be eager to love and honor that person in such a way that they would never say, I don't have a place here. I guess I'll go somewhere where I can fit in. I guess I'll go somewhere where I can use my gifting. No, man, one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to shepherd the flock in a way that goes, I'm not saying I have the answer, but I'm going to be eager to make sure that you don't feel like you have to leave here to be you and how God's wired you. Amen? And we're going to learn it as we go. I want to end with this. I want to end with final words of encouragement from today. Number one is this. Discover and use your gifts for the benefit of the church. It's not for your business, and I hope your business does great. It's for the church. Use your gift that is powered by God to make this the best church in Shawnee. The best that we can be, because why? You, as a part of Christ's body, are here, and you're using your gifting in a very, very unique and special way. Number two, don't neglect your gifts. Rekindle God's gift that you possess. Paul writes two letters to his protege, Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. In both of those letters, Paul warns Timothy, urges Timothy to, one, uh, don't neglect. In the first one, don't neglect the gift that was given to you when we laid hands and prayed for you. And in the second letter, rekindle into flame, fan into flame that gift. Some of you in this room have neglected your gifting. Hear Paul's words, stop neglecting your gift. Some of you have become lazy in your gifting, and what was once a mighty flame is now just a tiny little spark. May today be the day where you fan into flame, right? And get that thing going again so that it is the most effective for the church body. Number three, you have permission to fail forward. You have permission to fail. Good gravy. You guys know I'm not perfect, right? I do silly things all the time. I fail forward, right? You're not allowed to just fail. We're going to fail and learn from our failure. We're going to fail in the right direction. But you have permission, those of you who feel like you have the gift of healing, well, just keep praying for people until somebody gets well. Don't pray once, well, they didn't get better. No, then I'll give up. No, 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 no. Keep going. Administration. I lost the Excel file. I don't know what administration is. But anyway, you're right. You just keep going. <laughs> keep going. Just don't give up. Fail forward, right? All right, and the last one. This is good. Become creative with how and when you use your gift. Please, if you have this um, idea that it involves being in front of people and up here, very few of us are going to get to use our gifting. But if wherever you are is where you're going to use your gift, get creative in that. How can you use that specific spirit-given gift before you even leave today? How can you use it through the week to bless somebody, to encourage somebody? Amen?